0: Cambodia is just wide open. I mean, that's the exciting thing about being in Cambodia. You can just go somewhere, pitch up a, uh, uh, put a microphone up and preach the gospel, and you're okay, you're
1: allowed. From City Life Church, I'm James Wright. This is Contrast Theory. Okay, well, my guest today is Peter Chandra. Yep. He is a uh, volunteer consultant at New Life Fellowship in Cambodia. Uh, for for those who may not know you, do you want to tell a bit about yourself?
0: Yeah, so uh, I originally come from Singapore, um, then I studied in the UK, got married there, lived there for 25 years, then came to Australia in 2000, and that's where I got involved with City Life. And uh, in 2004, I got to know New Life Fellowship, which is one of the, the key um, City Life world impact partners there. And uh, I've been sending and having teams going to Cambodia for for 14 years now, but two and a half years ago, my wife and I uh, decided to move to Cambodia to really be on the ground. You know, we've been doing short-term teams, uh, but really uh, New Life is such an exciting church and uh, we, we were called a new season to be involved with them.
1: What was that move like? Um, I guess, you know, it, there are a lot of
0: changes, um, but even at a young age, I've always been called to help the poor. So it, since since I was a teenager, I guess the question that has always been on my mind is, as a Christian, how do I help the poor? Um, so I've always, in one sense, been involved with missions. So, so my first mission trip was to Haiti at, in, in university. Uh, since then I've been to Uganda, Mozambique, India, Malaysia, um, with various sort of teams as well. Um, So, really, coming to Cambodia was um, just a natural progression of helping in church planting, but also uh, in a developing country.
1: How did how did those early uh, missions trips kind of shape your view of uh, missions trips around around the world? Uh, I guess uh, quite substantially, really, (laughs) which is why
0: I guess we go to mission mission teams and short term teams, you know, just to get a. An exposure, but I, but I distinctly remember my first mission team was, uh, like I said, my first year at university, and um, this was uh, in England. But we were involved with uh, Tierfund and Fund was asking for a team uh, to come to um, Haiti. So. Um, uh, and it was very interesting because I'm not good with my hands. So, you know, all of the mission teams at that time was about construction work, building dormitories and so on. So the first time we saw it being advertised was a, a team that was not doing construction. So we all signed up. So all of us in the team, you know, uh, were not keen about construction. Uh, we had our orientation in England and we arrived in Haiti and uh, the missionary met us on the ground and said, oh, my construction team. <laughs> <laughs> so for two months we were building a dormitory <laughs> but he was a very good um, coach Yeah, um, and I guess the first lesson I learned about missions is that you know don't think you'll be doing what you think you're doing mm. or you, you, you've been asked to do because things change so fast uh, so the first lesson was to be flexible and, and adaptable. Um, the second thing that really impacted me was during those three buttons you know I stayed with a uh, a missionary uh, American family, I ate American food, Peter butter jam, you know, I uh, was involved in an, an American mission compound. And I asked the question, you know, how, how are we being effective with regards to the, the local people on the ground? Now, having said that, it's no criticism because, again, um, you know, they were involved in a mission hospital uh, but it was a very much an American lifestyle in such a poor environment. Um, so that really uh, started more questions uh, than answers, and it was, uh, it was I think, it was very
1: critical in, in me asking, what is true help? Have you found that kind of attitude is uh, kind of across? Christian churches around the world or or do you did you feel it was more just that specific community i,
0: I think it, it uh, I think people come over but were not aware that they were doing it you know i, I don 't think it was any sinister intent and so on it 's just that you know by definition you know we are who we are, and so when we come to another country you know we we are who we are, and so you know whatever that culture is, we bring it along. but I guess what is important though. Is that if we're in a in a in a cross cultural setting, uh, we've got to ask the questions. You know what is relevant, what is not relevant. You know what is cultural, what is biblical. I mean, those are all very hard questions. There's no right and wrong, uh, particularly when you think about biblical uh, lifestyle versus Western lifestyle versus an Eastern lifestyle. And unless we are able to uh, differentiate it and be clear about it, uh, people on the ground get confused. You know, so, so and which is why we have such a a prevalent view that, you know, Christianity is, is Western. Uh, because I guess what we've done unconsciously is we've, we've um, projected Christian culture as Western culture.
1: Ooh. What do you think are some of the fundamentals that Christians may get wrong about missions work?
0: What we fail to recognize is that even in developing countries, progress has taken place at an incredible pace. And what was the classical view of missionary work uh, has, has changed and needs to change. Uh, so what was valid, you know, 100 years ago, 40 years ago. Whereby you know early missionaries brought in education, brought in uh, you know legal systems and so on, which was really good and important. Um, Things have developed further. You know now we're in a global age, we're in the internet age, and so on. And so even what is Eastern culture? Because you know even in Phnom Penh, you know all of them are looking at Western clothes and music and songs as well. So so we need to recognize that things are changing tremendously. so I guess, um, like the first lesson, we we have to be flexible and and really ask God uh, and His Spirit to guide us and lead us
1: in an appropriate way. Can you think of any specific activities or programs that may be uh, more harmful than than do good? Yeah, I you know I I, um,
0: I think one of the the tendencies is uh, and and again you know it comes out of a, of a good heart. You know, from the West, we do have more resources, we do have more finances. Uh, and in the east, when we look at these places, you know, especially in, in poor places, uh, there isn't the finance. So, so one of the, the instinctive things that we want to do first is just give money. Um, however, you know, the question is not whether we give or not give money. The question is how do we give it wisely. Uh, so, uh, and and sometimes the tendency as well is that we're in and out. So we it's easy to just give money, say you know, bless you, and then off we go. But if we don't do it in the proper way, if we don't think about ownership, if we don't think about sustainability, if we don't think about responsibility, accountability, uh then that's where the danger is. So the question is, you know, how how do we go about giving the money? Uh and uh just as an example of how uh it can be detrimental, um, is that you know, we always talk about, oh let's go and you know in in, in Cambodia, let's go and visit the slum kids. Okay. So we see them, you know, they are poor, you know, and they uh um, you know, collecting recyclables and so on, in order to to earn a living. So our heart goes to them, and you know, we we give them money, and you know, of course, they're very grateful, and we feel very great. You know, we, we feel very blessed because we've been able to to help them. Um, however, what has uh, happened in in most cases is that they now become dependent on uh, short-term teams coming over with the heart and giving them, and when we try to introduce programs that says, look. Let me help you to develop a skill, so that you don't have to depend on handouts. Um, you know, uh, but you have got to come for some classes. You have got to do some learning, and it's a responsible. Uh, we have kids when they come back and says, oh, "Why should we do that? Right? We'll just go. To, you know, another NGO will come and give us money." So, <laughs> so you <laughs> they say, oh, "Well, okay." So, whose fault is it?
1: Mm. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of uh, I, I took a trip to Cambodia, and we went to the. Uh, what was it the Tulslang prison? Yep, yes, and, yeah, yes. Uh, but there were there were some people on the outside who uh, were I can't remember deformed in some sort of way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and when we were there, when we were walking past them, they were very uh, very you know needy and yeah. begging yeah. for money. And we were told by the people that were taking us to just ignore them, keep walking, and when I turned around after we 'd left, they stood up, they were just kind of chatting with their friends, they were laughing and, <laughs> and unfortunately though, you know that is the minority so so if you, you know, went through that experience,
0: the natural uh, uh, repercussion is, you know, yeah, I shouldn't be giving any money. Mm. But again, there's a lot of other people that yes, are really needy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why my suggestion is, you know, really do the homework to find out which organizations are involved in the long run. Mm. Uh, it's on the ground, they're there in the long run, they have thought through those questions of ownership, accountability, sustainability. Uh, so so I guess my 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 um, my comment is, give money, but give it wisely. Do the homework, do the research, um, find out which organizations have got track record uh, and has got ways. And to me, a very important word for me now is sustainability. Um, So let let me give you an example. Uh, You know, water is very precious. So, you know, the whole area of digging wells, providing fresh water, clean water is crucial because clean water really, you know, wipes out one third of the... The, the the problems, medical problems. Okay, so so clean fresh water is important. Um, a few months ago, we went and visited a the village. There was a well that uh, that the church had dug, um, but it wasn't working. Right? so we talked to the pastor and said, "Look, why why is it not working? Oh, you know, uh, one of the parts had broken down." Right, so we said, "Why don't you get it fixed?" He said, "Yeah, I got it fixed, and then the kids were playing, and then it, it broke again." So we then say, why don't you, you know, put a fence around so that the kids don't play with it um, so that it doesn't get break down. Oh, it's just too hard, you know? Uh, so I just didn't bother. So we asked the question, well, so what happened to those people that needed the water? Oh, they've got to buy the water somewhere else. Okay? So, so what struck me was this. We gave him the well, we gave him the money, we digged the well. He had nothing invested Ooh. in that well. So when he broke down... He will look to the NGO and say, fix it. Right? And whose fault is that? It's our fault. Yeah? So so now we're saying, if we're gonna help you the well, you gotta put in your part of the, the play as well. Right? So the whole issue about joint responsibility, working together in partnership, so that they, be, they feel they've put in sweat and tears into it, uh, they are also invested in it, in the whole area of of ownership. That's step one Now we're looking at How do we then provide uh, A reason, incentive for him To make sure it's working well And, and providing water and so on So now we're embarking on a project that says Not only will we help you with the well And so on But we want to teach you how to sell the water right? Because people do buy water And people will pay for water right? So we'll teach you how to sell the water So now you have an income stream right, That will provide you with, with income as well um, so that there's a sustainability plan And guess what? If it breaks down You're not having any income So you will fix it <laughs> So yeah So I thinking I hope has progressed And we're now looking at All of our projects To have a sustainability Income generation component mm.
1: I've heard you speak before About uh, empowering local people How do you feel that model Kind of coincides with Western churches Wanting to help? The best way we can help I
0: believe now from the Western viewpoint is really building capacity, training the trainers and not doing it ourselves. So there is a, a, a quite an acceptable methodology that's already being used in Africa, in Asia and so on called um, uh, community health developments or in other places it's called church and community mobilization and Tier Fund calls it Umoji, so World Vision, Tear, Compassion, all working towards this methodology, which fundamentally means don't assume you know the answers. When you go to a village, work with the village chief, work with the village committee. And if there isn't one, uh, facilitate the forming of a village committee. But get the pastor involved as well. So the pastor is seen as part and parcel of wanting to help with the village. And let the village committee tell us what they need in As opposed to us uh telling them what they need right? uh, and then from then they they see ownership and then and work a way whereby in partnership uh we may you know, provide some funds they provide the the manpower or whatever, so that it's a joint program. but let the village decide on what's important. Let me give you one specific example that i've heard in the past um there's the, uh, an NGO comes to this village you know notices the um, the the issue of sanitation and so on and they said look you know we'll help you build toilets and so on you know, which is really important but the village committee says no actually we want a road so they say, what you know i kind of okay but the principle is we let the village decide so they helped the village build a road when they built the road they discovered that this road it's a so simple the track was instrumental in this village being able to do trade with the other villages and as a result of that, they were able to sell their their vegetables, their goods, and so they had income. With that income, they then built the toilets and the schools and so on. So the villagers know they need toilets and so on, but they knew what was the critical critical path. Hmm. Right? So we have to learn how to trust the village community come up with what they need.
1: Hmm. Is there anything specific that... Uh your church, New Life Fellowship, is doing uh, or any programs that they're starting that you are particularly proud of?
0: Well, I think um, uh, I'm just proud of what New Life Fellowship is doing in terms of church planting. So so all of our community development is all in the context of church planting because in the end, uh, the gospel, the church is Jesus's. Um, Answer. It is our answer to the world. So, whatever we do, even in community development, is in the context of church planting. I see that as two two sides of, of a the coin. Um, so, New Life is just incredible in their commitment, their excitement in in planting churches. So, they've got a goal of 500 churches by end of next year. They're already coming to 300. Um, what they've also made is the decision that all of their village pastors have to be bivocational because you really, you know, you can't pay $50 every month for 500 people and you know that's a big bill so the challenge is as well is to helping the the pastor or the congregation to have some small businesses as well, so that they can have an, an income. So so New Life has got the foundation. Uh, the livelihoods is trying to help the pastors. You know whether it's selling water, whether it's chickens and so on, to be able to do more and more of that and the training associated with it. Um, the other key thing that I think is very exciting about New Life is they have what we call complementary education out in the villages. What we call New Transform Lives. Um, where by each location it's got forty children we provide a, a, a nutritious meal for them and uh, three hours of complimentary uh, classes whether it's kamai IT English or you know whatever is needed uh, but that's really been powerful because education really is a, a real key for the future of any any country um, so that is being um, rolled out in one sense you know, the the more uh, uh, funds we have. Um, we are able to do more locations. But again, with the sustainability uh, principle, we have said that we will fund only for three years. And in the fourth year, they have to be sustainable. So we're giving them three years to start charging fees, even if it's 10 cents, 50 cents, so that in the fourth year, their quality will be high enough uh, that they will be able to get enough revenue to sustain them. So we have said to the passers, we will pull the plug in, in year four in terms of finances. Because, again, we want you to be sustainable. But we know it works. There's a, a, another church where the pastor has got that mindset. And within two years, they've had enough money to pay for the teachers, to pay for the meals, and so on. And, uh, and the, the family is benefiting. The, 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 the families value the education because they're paying for it as well. Uh, so I, I think it, it's on the right track.
1: I know sometimes when when people go into other countries and and try to do some sort of missions work yeah. um, they can come into some some cultural challenges where they're unaware of maybe a a certain history um that maybe you know uh, that may affect something that they want to do yeah. or or maybe yeah, maybe there's an underlying cultural difference in terms of uh something is looked down upon. Have you found in your current journey in Cambodia uh, anything like that? So maybe it's scars from the Khmer Rouge uh, era or just the constant development of trying to catch up with Western civilization. Yeah, I think, you know, particularly with Cambodia, we do recognise that the Khmer Rouge and
0: what has happened in terms of one quarter of the population being killed and the critical population in terms of the academics, the business people, has really meant that the country... Uh, has got a long way more to go in terms of chasing up with the rest of Southeast Asia, um, but also you know the new generation uh, don't know about the Cameroonian. Actually, it's quite interesting. You know, but they are now you know very uh, hopeful for the future. So yes, for us coming in, we do need to appreciate uh, the background, which is where and why. Um, there's still a lot more for them to to cover. But the the situation is hopeful. You know, there are you know, Cambodia is growing six point five percent GDP for projected the next three years. That's three times faster than Australia. <laughs> so there's you know there's lots of progress happening. Um, but we need to to work in partnership with them. I, mean, I always use the word partnership, which is uh, a win win for both sides.
1: Mm. How have you found the? Uh Christian persecution in Southeast Asia? Is, is it uh, substantial in any of the countries that you've been in or has it been okay?
0: Well, one of the, uh, and, and uh, most people don't appreciate that in Cambodia, you can go anywhere in Cambodia and preach the gospel. That's amazing. You can't do that in Vietnam because it's a communist country. You can't do it in Laos. Uh, Thailand, you know, is a is is a really stronghold in terms of Buddhism. Uh, Myanmar, because of the heritage, is very difficult to to get there. So out of Southeast Asia. Cambodia is just wide open. I mean, that's the exciting thing about being in Cambodia. You can just go somewhere, pitch up a, uh, put a microphone up, and preach the gospel, and you're okay. You're allowed, right? Um, So we really have a window of opportunity in Cambodia. You can go and preach anywhere as long as you don't talk politics. You know, we have to be sensitive to that. But God has opened that door. Uh, but we don't know how long that window will be open. So you know, my view is that let's, let's really go as much as
1: we can in God's favor whilst the opportunity is open.
0: Mm.
1: What sort of resources would you recommend to people who are interested in these sorts of areas? Well, I I myself, I've, you know, I'm reading a book called um, We Are Not the Hero by Jean
0: Johnston. And she herself had spent uh, 16 years in Cambodia and now back in the States really grappling with the issue of how do we help um, Uh, And have a true partnership So I I would say that's an incredible good book to look at Where there is uh, We are not the heroes The other two books is called When Helping Hurts Um, That does a a more theological um, The first half is a theological view about poverty um, And also how then we can uh, Differentiate between relief, development uh, And partnership Um, And then the third one Called Toxic Charity Is more stories of how uh, you know, out of the right attitude though we've caused a lot of damage and, and how do we reverse that so those are the three books that it has uh, really impacted me uh, and I would recommend people to have a look
1: Well Peter it's been amazing having you here thank you so much for coming to talk to me uh, is there any is there any website that you would like to plug right now yep um, the New Life
0: Fellowship uh, website is called cambodiaoutreach.org uh, and that will give you all the various activities that New Life does but also uh, the, the the various projects and initiatives that we're we're involved with, uh, so that's the English version of, of the website.
1: That sounds great. All right, well, thank you so much and I hope you enjoy the rest of your time here. Yep, yeah, thank you very much. For more information and resources, check out the show notes for today's episode.